Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast, where we navigate financial services together with an eye on technology, innovation, new models, and changing expectations. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. And this is the final episode in our special podcast series on Gen Z, where we explore the fascinating generation deeper, their relationship with money, how they like to save, spend, and borrow money, Gen Z's fears and aspirations, and their connections to social issues. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about creating products that Gen Z loves. And to do that, I'm joined by two of the best product people in the business, Girish Balasubramanian, VP of Product Management at Credit Karma, and Vishal Kapoor, Head of Product at Affirm. Together, we're going to peel back the onion on how these two firms strategize and tailor their products to resonate with the values, preferences, and financial behaviors of Gen Z consumers, and how this may be different from other demographics. We also discussed the importance of financial literacy as an enabler for this generation to get on the financial responsibility train. Data plays a role here for sure, and we explore how to get the unlocked to help Gen Z onboard to different financial products responsibly and ethically. Tearsheet thanks our sponsor, Publicis Sapient, for their support. Read more and download customer research about Gen Z and financial services at steezlife.co. That's S-T-E-E-Z-L-I-F-E dot C-O. And before we jump into our conversation about building products Gen Z loves, I wanted to let you in on something we've been working on right now here at Tearsheet. We're currently recruiting financial services professionals to work on this very topic, building products Gen Z loves. We've heard from you and in our reporting that figuring out how to service younger customers is growing increasingly important for your business. We want to facilitate making that happen. We're hosting a series of working groups for professionals across the industry to communicate, collaborate, and tackle how to do this. Our group has senior executives from Citi, Synchrony, SoFi, UBS, WorldPay, U.S. Bank, and more. Go to library.tearsheet.co slash outlier to get more information. We have a couple spaces left, and if you're motivated, we'd love to have you join us. And here's our conversation about building products Gen Z loves. Great. Girish, can you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Girish Balasubramanian. I'm the VP of Product Management for Credit Karma's Money Product. Um, As you guys probably know, Credit Karma has really uh, democratized access to credit scores and credit reports uh, to literally tens of millions of Americans. There are 120 million Americans who use Credit Karma. And then more recently, we started our Credit Karma in the past three years. We've started the Credit Karma Money product, which is really about checking, savings and credit building. Well, welcome, Girish. Thank you. Vishal, can you introduce yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, thank you for having me, Zach. Um, I'm Vishal. I currently head product at a firm leading product management, product design, and product marketing functions. And at the highest level, a firm you know, helps consumers both spend as well as save responsibly. And uh, we help merchants attract net new customers and drive conversion for consumers that they wouldn't have seen otherwise. And more specifically for consumers, you know, that means empowering them with a transparent, flexible alternative to credit cards, which is what, you know, we do here. We build honest financial products. Well, welcome to the show, Vishal. Thank you. And and we're here to talk about making products for Gen Z. And I, I'm excited for this conversation because I think both Credit Karma and Affirm do a really good job um, having created products and serving this demographic. Girish, we'll start with you. How, how does Credit Karma strategize and tailor its financial products to resonate with Gen Z? And I'm thinking along the axes of like values, preferences, and financial behaviors. 
Um, let me let me let me just um, start out by saying that about forty percent of the of the Gen Z population who have a credit score or find who you can find on a credit record are mm-hmm. are already on our platform. So wow. we've made inroads into forty percent. You said forty percent. Forty percent are wow. already on our platform, and um, we've obviously helped their parents, the millennials and and older. Um, really, uh, for the last fifteen. Uh, plus years, but we're also making a lot of inroads into the Gen Z population, and really, they're as they're coming of age, their parents are educating them. This is a trusted source. You can go set yourself up with credit because credit is an important part of American financial life, right? So, this is this is really uh, this was really giving us a lot of access and insight into what these folks want, the Gen Zers want. So, what I would say is that in terms of preferences, there are. I would characterize their financial preferences along three dimensions. One is really the strong preference for debit as opposed to really open-ended um, revolving credit lines Revolvers. or credit mm-hmm. cards. So I, I think that this is, they, they prefer debit, they prefer cash. It's the money they have, it's the money they own, not the money that they're loaned, right, primarily. That doesn't mean they don't have credit needs. But they have credit needs, but ultimately they go for something which is very debit oriented. And, and, and this is something which we have really seized on. And the way we are engaging with our Gen Z audience is with the Credit Karma Money product. Checking, savings, checking with a debit card, savings, and also credit building. What is very interesting about this credit building product that we have is that you save your way to a better credit score. This is not your... Millennials Credit Karma. This is actually, uh, we've built on top of the innovation we've had. So with this credit building product, you can, you don't incur more debt. What instead you do is you regularly pay into a savings account. And then um, I, I won't go into the exact mechanics of it, but the most important thing is that you can save your way to a better credit score. So this is one way that we matched up debit preferencing with the types of products that we are engaging our Gen Z audience with. The second, While also encouraging good habit forming too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What's not to like about savings, right? So the the, the second thing is this this whole thing about speed and instant gratification, right? So that's just how they're wired, they're built, um, and and so when when it comes to these types of things, it's very important to deliver value. You don't you don't get a Gen Z to enter a tunnel with the hope of finding light. You got to show them the light before they enter the tunnel. That, that's, and, and the tunnel better be fast, right? So this whole instant gratification part is, is just the way they grew up. And that's their expectation. So even with something like a credit builder product that we engage them with, we get them on average for eligible members, a 20 point boost, 21 points of, of a credit score boost in four days. So as you can imagine, that is the kind of speed that we're delivering on that is engaging our audience. Right. So speed is very important. And the other part is they are very digitally connected, wired, up to date. Right. So that's the third quality that that's characteristic of this audience. And what is very interesting here is that we have we are now in the process of redesigning our entire experience so that they can find ever more things, whether it's their net worth, their credit score, their bank balance, all of that in one interface and quickly. So this is this is there's constant. um rejuvenation, you know, really we're revamping our products all the time, but Gen Z is forcing us to up our game, but it's really to the betterment of not just Gen Z, but everybody. So these are the three dimensions, the debit preferencing, 
is instant gratification as well as just being digitally wired connected. These are things that characterize this, this population. At the same time, I want to also emphasize that it's very important for us to, to, to be uh, cognizant of the fact that they don't get to exist in a vacuum. They do exist in the financial ecosystem. So we are very, very interested in making sure that they're on the right path, they're building their credit score. So for when they need it, for the next steps, all the things they need to do with leverage in life, that we make them ready for. Thank you for that. Uh, Vishal, over to you. Um, I think of a firm as also being very successful engaging younger consumers. Can you elaborate on the product design philosophy that you guys have and features specifically targeted to meet Gen Z's financial needs and expectations? And I'm curious if it's different with your approach to other demographics. Yeah, so look, um, Taking a big step back, we see that how consumers pay for things is fundamentally changing, right? So that's a secular trend. And, you know, many people, but most importantly, millennials and Gen Zs, they're just not willing to accept this revolving, antiquated, you know, line of credit model and then the ball of chain or the hidden fees and gotchas that come along with it, right? So the snowball of debt that we have seen, you know, over the past many, many decades is just becoming simply unacceptable for many consumers. But Gen Z's are definitely, you know, uh, holding the flag and carrying this movement, you know, forward with, with a lot of uh, enthusiasm and pride. And so when we see the adoption of BNPL and specifically, you know, products like Affirm, uh, we, we definitely see a preference for Gen Z's to be, in, you know, much more in control while they are making a purchase. So the values that matter to them, you know, are flexibility, are transparency, are control, as we, we talked about. And, you know, the staggering factor is that U.S. households now have more than a trillion dollar in credit card debt. And that is, you know, not lost upon, you know, folks who have been, you know, you've seen the recessions from their parents' perspectives and are not preferring, you know, these, these antiquated methods to go and finance their next, you know, big or small purchase. So that is what we feel, you know, at a firm is the secular trend of being in control, having honest products that they can rely on that don't change your time based on whims and fancies. And th this is where a firm is uh, really, you know, hitting the nail on the head on the demands and needs of this, this younger, uh, you know, generation that is coming up. How does and how does that? I appreciate that. And how does that filter down into product design and the features that you offer uh, to make sure that you're 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 addressing Gen Z with sort of the values that you just described? Right. So there are like three main uh, you know behaviors or attributes that we notice of Gen Zs. Right. So first and foremost is that this is a a, a truly digital native generation. So they expect you know all the products to have that component of uh, being completely digital. So that's like number one. The second is they're very fiscally responsible and they don't like, you know, hidden fees or gotchas. And this is what we just referred to. And the last one, which is very interesting from our perspective as well, is that they still like to shop in store. And you would think, oh, that's an aha moment. We find actually 81% of Gen Z still prefer it. And the way that we have addressed a couple of this, you know, is uh, for the number one, where this is a truly digital, you know, uh, generation, we have an app that spans a lot of different use cases. 
as well as our integrated solution that is uh, over 60% of all, you know, US e-commerce, you know, you can find a firm, you know, in a digital environment. Um, from a fiscal responsibility perspective, we underwrite every single transaction, which, in, which in, you know, ensues that we look at all the different signals of your shopping history, of your credit history, and we build this, this 360 you know, profile, and it's actually quite magical that we are able to provide real-time decisioning. And since there's no you know, late or hidden fees, we are then able to provide a real-time decision on whether, and it's not just a binary one, it's not just yes or no, it's whether you know, we can add a, more controls, like we can ask for a down payment, or we can give shorter loans, or if we feel that you know, this, this, this transaction is not aligned with the interest of the consumer, because you know, we don't have any other business model, but for this loan to be repaid, we will decline that trans transaction in, in real time. So those are the two you know, main ways that we are uh, honoring and building products for Gen Z's. The last one in store, we feel and we see Gen Z's actually prefer buying in store because of the instant gratification as Girish was mentioning, but also that it's more fiscally responsible not to pay for shipping fees, both for buying the product as well as if they choose to return it. And here's where you know, we have taken all the power of a firm, put it on a card and you know, it's both in a virtual format as well as a plastic format. And it, it, you know, takes all of the different capabilities and you can either pay for, you know, things up front or request a plan and then use your digital, you know, app to plan for these purchases. And that's how we also, you know, we, we cater to the needs of Gen Z's who expect this to be a, a totally seamless, you know, digital as well as physical experience. So those are some of the ways that we are catering and meeting the needs of this audience. Before we go further in our conversation, I wanted to call out that Publicis Sapiens Dave Donovan, EVP of Financial Services, has been banging the table on the need for banks to get serious about serving Gen Z. Dave means business and believes that banks face a huge threat here if they don't get it right. I spoke with him about how to connect with Gen Z and how banks can do it better. My name is David Donovan and I'm an Executive Vice President with Publicis Sapien. I lead our financial services vertical in North America at Publicis. Why doesn't financial services in general get Gen Z? What, what, what's going on there? Well, I don't think that they've taken the time to really understand the demographic. And, you know, Gen Z is a lot different from millennials and it's a lot different from baby boomers. And I think banks have been comfortable thinking that they understand uh, a certain demographic that works for them. And Gen Z represents a much different demographic. For one, They've grown up with, you know, with technology. You know, they're they're digital first, and for banks, banks have have evolved into technology. It's not something that's a, a comfortable muscle memory, you know, muscle for them, but it is a very comfortable muscle for Gen Z in in all aspects of their life. It sounds like what you're saying, Dave, is like you can't just do a marketing campaign and expect to reach Gen Z for a product that doesn't necessarily resonate with them. No. No, I mean, banks, they need to understand and connect in, with Gen Z in a much deeper way. And, you know, the best way to do that is through leveraging digital tools and through transparency and being authentic. One thing that Gen Z values more than anything is authenticity. And banks, I'm not saying that they're not authentic, but they're not always transparent. No, banks aren't necessarily known for that. And to do business with Gen Z, the way our institutions communicate will need to change. Our research shows that authenticity, even for brands, is really important for Gen Z. 
Financial institutions will have to walk their talk if they want to build rapport and trust with their youngest customers. I appreciate that. And we've been tracking at Tearsheet in our coverage uh, the growth of the Affirm card. Um, and as that grows and gets put in the hand of, of, of more consumers, Yurish, this is going to go back to you. Um, how does Credit Karma leverage technology and data to foster financial literacy among Gen Z? And, and how does that impact their adoption of some of the products that you offer? When you bring together um, technology and data for the benefit of the consumer, we call our consumers members. So how do members benefit? The, when you bring these together, you get personalization. Technology and data together really give you personalization, right? Uh, with the member in control. What do I mean by that? Let's start with how you, uh, how Credit Karma really even starts engaging with its members, right? It's your credit record, it's your credit report, it's your credit score, and we give you highly personalized recommendations. First of all, we make you aware about the score, but we also provide you highly personalized recommendations of here's what you can do to improve your credit score. And, and it's, we've done that for a decade and more now. And so this is how we were getting people through the trajectory of their financial lives, right? So this is how we're stepping it up for them. We're helping them get from rung to rung of the financial ladder. So this is, so personalization is at the heart of it. The second part, once again, personalization. Well, we know your situation. We've given you actionable insights. Well, but how do you get better in life? How do you start to get the right leverage, namely credit products in your life to benefit you? If you, if, if, if you want a credit card or if you want a personal loan or a mortgage, what would we recommend for you, right? So once again, you've got personalization because we know your circumstance. So we're not going to bore you with things that you won't be likely approved for or which are not applicable for you. So when technology and data come together, once again, you get highly relevant offers. And more importantly, you are... You, you have a high likelihood in Credit Karma of being approved for these offers. And that, that last part is really about uh, data and technology come together. You can actually increase privacy while also increasing relevance at the same time. If you think about what happens when you go to a lender's website, you end up having to really share everything about yourself. You have to spill your guts so that they can approve you. But what if you can be approved without sharing uh, who you are? while being anonymous. So that's the other thing that Credit Karma does for its members where we are sharing data anonymously through our Lightbox platform so that for the benefit of the members, so that the lender can underwrite the member. At the same time, the lender doesn't know who the member is. So the member is preserving their privacy. But you know what? The lender also preserves their underwriting algorithm. We don't even know what it is. So ultimately, we, uh, if, you, if you take data and technology, You've got this increased privacy, security, increased relevance. And that's really how we tailor our products, recommendations, and everything for the member's benefit. And that, that naturally leads to more adoption. And, and the last thing I'd say here is that we've been investing in um, AI for a while. Intuit, Credit Karma, by the way, is part of Intuit Corporation. And Intuit Corporation has been investing in AI, all parts of Intuit, really. Um, and, and more recently with Gen AI, we have a feature called Intuit Assist, and all of this is being brought to you in a dialogue fashion, in a, in a well, SMS texting. That's really what Gen Z prefers. And so that's the latest addition 
in this long line of personalization features at Credit Karma and Intuit. I was uh, timing it to see how long it would take for us to have a conversation about financial services without talking about AI. And we got there. It took about 20 minutes, but we're there. And of course, we have to talk about that. And I, what's impressive about both the firm and Credit Karma is, is both you guys have just spoken about these feedback loops that you've built into your products that um, improve outcomes for, for your users or your members. Um, this question actually goes to both of you. Um, in what ways do your respective companies ensure that the financial products that you design for Gen Z align with ethical and responsible financial practices? And how do you navigate the balance between obviously marketing and expanding your own products versus doing what's right for the customer? And just jump in. Maybe I'll, I'll do it. Um, so it all starts with um, committed long-term investments with sufficient guardrails and, and sufficient courage to stick with the program. As I told you, Intuit has been assist, uh, investing in, in AI for a while. It's not just because Gen AI came out. Um, it's, it's, so, and Credit Karma, we, we deal with the records credit records and other financial records of literally tens of millions of customers. So the bedrock of all of this is really sound policy, sound practices process, just in an uncompromising way, right? Just you have to make sure that you do no harm, right? So that's that's really very, very important. It also sounds like it's part of the eth ethos exactly. of the company, right? Does it have to I go that deep? Absolutely. In fact, everything we do is informed by this. It's in the DNA of Credit Karma, this, this data protection and, and re, uh, resolving to really protect the members' privacy. So this is, it, we go to extraordinary lengths, I would add. So this is really basics. But it's, it's backed up by also other basics, such as employee training, making sure the review, there's periodic reviews. Uh, in, in, in the case of AI, for example, which is really the latest technology, Gen AI is the latest technology um, that that we are contending with, that we're working with, we have already uh, an AI governance model, which is which has executive attention, which has clear guidelines. Once again, there's training, internal reviews, and also channels for stakeholder feedback. Uh, we are just very aware that with uh, great power comes great responsibility, and and remember that we do everything at scale, at at Intuit at Credit Karma, into a group of companies, TurboTax, another sister company. Tens of millions of people file tax returns with TurboTax. So everything we do, we do at scale. We are able to serve people at scale. And, and think about this as we, this is the kind of uh, future we're looking at where if you want your payroll done, you go to QuickBooks Payroll. That's where the money originates. And then you, that gets deposited into a Credit Karma money account. And then we help you to either save into a credit builder account to grow your credit score. Maybe you'll access credit products through our marketplaces like loans and, and uh, marketplaces. And then eventually we help you pay your taxes with TurboTax. And, and you can also get your refund early with, with Credit Karma money. So you're looking at shared context for the member's benefit with their approval, with their choices, with their preferences. You, we imagine a future where AI is really anchoring all of this and is serving as a trusted financial advisor to everybody. So in order for us to accomplish this with the member's consent, we, have, we take all of this very, very seriously. And, we, uh, and one last thing I'll say is that if you, if you think about this, uh, if, if you think about how we democratized 
credit record, credit score access to millennium for millennials. We're democratizing financial advice to to the Gen Zers. That's really what we're doing for them with this with with the with your concierge. Uh, Intuit Assist is what we call it. It's your concierge, which it helps you answer questions, but it's sharing context across the entire set of finances that you have. And a regular advisor is not able to do this. If you wake them up in the middle of the night, they're not going to answer questions. And then you, the other thing is that the technology is not judging you. So in some cases, Intuit Assist is even going to be better than a than a regular financial advisor because you can share what you need to. It knows you a lot. You don't have to keep informing it. And it's available in every single part of, of your uh, money life cycle, whether you're getting paid or whether you're paying taxes or you're spending or getting a new loan product. So in order for all of this to work very, very correctly and highly relevantly, we are investing in the bedrock principles of privacy, security, and AI governance. So. Got it. How, how about you, Vishal? How about at a firm? How, how are you think about the the... The tension between building financial products that uh, align with ethical and responsible practices, but also, obviously, you're you're looking to grow your company as well. How, how, how do you think about that? We actually have a very fundamental belief here, Zach. And Max had this belief, you know, as we, we built a firm, that profit and purpose, they're not opposing things. Actually, they're right. the same thing, especially for, you know, the audiences that we are talking about today they are actually seeking out options as well as ways to be better in terms of how their fiscal health you know uh, entails by using honest ethical products and so you know this is where a, a firm really shines and this is how we entered the market it's like we're giving folks an alternative a better alternative and you know the way that you know we can talk about the principles but it really shows up neatly in our results and i'll just give a little bit of you know like color on fy24 q1 results that we released so our gross merchandise volume right which is gmv it grew 28 percent year on year which is really impressive so it went from you know went to about 5.6 billion dollars in the quarter that is more than three times general us e-commerce right so you can see that the business is really picking up and growing now on the same you know earnings we also reported that our credit outcomes, which is delinquency, so you know DQ30 on monthly loans, they declined by 30 you know bips, hmm. and it is now uh, you know 30 bips a year on year is now about 2.4 percent, which actually outperforms most of the major credit card issuers. Now, those two data points, right? We're growing the business, we're improving credit outcomes, growth, profitability, ethics—they all neatly intersect, right? For the audiences we are talking about. We only extend credit to people and consumers that can repay us because our business model is literally that. And so ethics, profit, growth, you know, expectations and, and ethics and morality, they all come together for us. They don't actually have tension or opposing forces. I like the way you described that, that, that all those things can be true. It's not, uh, it's not binary. Um, Girish, I'm going to go back to you. Um, you mentioned that, you know, Credit Karma launched for millennials and it's, it's evolved. I'm curious how, how, if there are specific instances that you can point to around innovation or adaptation of your product suite to cater specifically to these changing financial behaviors or preferences of Gen Z. Yeah, I, I really go back to uh, the, the whole uh, instant gratification part. 
I want to expand that a little bit. So mm -hmm. one of the things that we've done for our customers is once they like a loan offer, right, we have something called easy apply. So typically what you have to do is uh, on a lot of marketing affiliate sites, let's say you like an offer, then you're shipped off to some other website where you have to complete your loan application. Sometimes it could be online, sometimes it could be digital, there's follow-ups, et cetera, et cetera, right? So with our easy apply technology, what we've done is we've integrated with a lot of the lenders. So once again, what, what is it? You like what you see and like with e-commerce, you just expect to pick it up, pay for it and leave or apply for it in this case and get the loan and leave and more importantly, get the loan funded, right? So this is really the, the chain that we've been working on, which is if you like something, if this is the right offer for you, then we help you do take care of it. So this is really what our C Intuit CEO, Sasan, talks a lot about. Don't make the customer go through all the stages in the workflow. We're not in the business of designing workflows, is what he says. We're in the business of getting work done, especially the grunt work done for our customers, whether they be small businesses or consumers. Mm -hmm. So credit karma is no different. So instead of going through all these elaborate processes outside credit karma after you like the offer, we help you finish it right then and there. Make sure you're done. And then um, bottom line is your loan is funded. You're, you got what you needed and you got it done very, very quickly. It goes back to really that instant gratification part. So this is, this is one, that I, would, one that, that, that I would highlight, which is especially, there are many instances like I've uh, talked through this conversation, but yeah, this one particularly comes to mind because that, that goes to the instant gratification part of Gen Z. So. I appreciate that one. I, and I love the way your CEO described that. Um, back to you, Vishal. I'm going to ask you a similar question. Like, what data and insights have you gathered from the Gen Z audience? And how has that impacted the evolution of, of your own products we did affirm? Yeah. So, look, paying over time with no later head increase is a secular trend, right? So, we've talked about this, you know, uh, in this conversation as well. And consumers are telling us. They're actually coming to us and we do a, a lot of consumer research, insights, and surveys. They're telling us one very fundamental thing, which is credit cards are making it a, very challenging for them to manage their finances. And options like a firm really take back that, you know, uh, his and give the control back to the consumer. So I'll quote two surveys because we run these frequently. Um, one of the surveys that we ran nearly... Three in four Americans, so around 73%, said credit cards were really um, making it challenging for them um, to manage their finances in a, in a simple, in a transparent, in an easy kind of way. Because the business model, as we know, is predicated on making it very complicated, mumbo-jumbo, you know, to, for, for, for normal Americans. And BNPL... Buy now, pay later, ranked number one, around you know half of the respondents, 48%, stating that it makes it feel more in control. It makes them you know help with their finances. It helps them educate on you know what uh, you know purchases to make responsibly versus not. Um, followed by credit cards, which was 41%, and then last one was cash, around 28%. So that's like one survey. An even earlier survey, you know, found that nearly half, which was around 48% of Gen Zs and millennials. And 36% of all overall U.S. consumers agree that late or hidden fees is really, you know, uh, making them struggle with keeping in budget. So you can imagine, you know, how prevalent or how true this trend is 
where not being able to know what you're paying for and that thing can change over time. You can get into this revolving, you know, credit, uh, you know, business is really the opposite of where, you know, our consumers, when we survey them, when we talk to them, when we listen to them, they tell us about what their needs are and how the products what they're looking for, you know, help them meet their needs. Got it. I appreciate uh, both your examples. I we're getting uh, near the end of our conversation. I have two. I have two questions left, um, and I want to pose them to both of you. Um, the first is: given the rapid evolution of technology and changing preferences, how do you think about future proofing the products you create for Gen Z to ensure their continued relevance and engagement? Uh, Vishal, you want to go? Please just jump in. I, I can go. So look. Um, we talked a little bit about Gen Z's, you know, attributes and behaviors. And I think there are three main ones worth reiterating. First one, that they are truly digitally native. Okay, so I think that's a very, very important one because all the products and, you know, services that we are building really cater to their uh, adeptness at, at being very digital first. The second is fiscal responsibility. That is a theme that you have seen resonate, you know, in today's conversation. They're very much in control and they're very much you know, keeping an eye on, you know, how their finances are going. And the third one is, you know, not not to overstate this, but their behaviors are shopping in store and instant gratification we've also talked about. And, you know, married to the fact that, you know, uh, they are uh, very much looking for not paying, you know, fees either, you know, late or hidden fees or shipping fees in this matter really stand out to me. And so when we talk about future proofing, Zach, one of the key things that we have done with the Affirm card is that, we have built the plastic, but we also have the app as a co-pilot. And just like amazing hardware software combos, we can update the software you know, on demand and we actually continue to do so. So what that means is that we have new features that we launch, we test, we iterate, we get feedback from customers on a very rapid clip. And we try and see what are the other things that we are seeing uh, you know, as you know, top feature as. And the beauty is, we don't have to ship a new card for you. We can actually update the app and that seamlessly goes into your experience with the card as you go and swipe, you tap, you plan a purchase, all those new features, you know, just seamlessly, you know, come to your, uh, come to your app, you know, on any given day. So that is one way that we are really honoring these three attributes that we talked about for Gen Z's and future proofing our products as we build forward. How about Credit Karma? Um, I'll, I'll first say that part of our future proofing is that we work on enduring problems, enduring challenges, enduring needs. So the need for credit, the need to make sure that you pay taxes. I, I joke that the only thing certain in American financial life is debt and taxes. So we, we work on enduring needs, right? So that's, that's one of the main things. And, and we solve problems at scale. And, and we provide comprehensive solutions and day by day our solutions get more comprehensive for the consumer as well as small business in the in the area of financial services. So this is this is one part of it, which means we're constantly in touch with our customers. We know what their evolving needs are. We obviously track market trends and, and capabilities, but we also uh, take chances. Uh, we for example, our AI investment is not a year old starting with Gen AI. It's several years old with the Intuit expert platform on TurboTax, for example. So we, so, and we're not afraid to fail. So this is, this is really part of how we look at it. We don't rush into things, 
but we definitely consider things, we test fast, we fail sometimes, and then we succeed other times and we get to scale. So part of our future proofing is we, we work, work on enduring problems, enduring challenges. The second part of it is that we have really, over the many years, configured our organization to recognize capabilities as being different from products, right? Products are what customers see, but capabilities are what you can mix and match to create new products, right? So part of future proofing is that you will never get all your product suite right. There will always be that startup that does better than you in one niche, et cetera, right? But the bottom line is how quickly can we respond and how quickly, and more importantly, can we chart a future based off the customer's needs and evolving trends and mix and match our capabilities to, to really serving the customer, not always being first, but always being enduring, scaling it, and, and in many cases, first as well. That's how we think about future proofing. And I realize this is a, um, it's sort of a tough question because both companies obviously are serving all generations at the same time, right? So it's not like you're serving just, just Gen Z. And this is an ongoing issue to, about um, serving all of your customers, wherever they may be. Um, brings me to my last question. We've done a series of these, these conversations around Gen Z, about serving Gen Z within financial services, whether it's payments or it's banking or here about developing, building products for them. Financial literacy comes down. Uh, everybody seems to mention that along the way. So I'm curious what role education plays, particularly with financial literacy, in shaping your company's approach to developing products for this generation. Um, sure. Maybe you want to go first? The, the one thing I wish that our high schools would do is provide our students, our young people, with some roadmap as to how to manage their finances. We graduate so many millions of people who have no idea as to the ABCs of finance or, or how to set, their, set themselves up financially successfully, right? So that's just fact. Uh, at the same time, it's not like we want to sit people down and go through the Khan Academy of Financial Services, you know, like get an ABC. It's, we're, so the starting point is really ready engagement, especially with a Gen Z audience. Just-in-time tips, advice, something that's very contextual, relevant, that's really very important because you want to catch them in a snippet here, a dialogue there, making sure it's always relevant, that you're tracking them, you're following them. That's where the machine helps, right? So, And, and it's, to, it's to their benefit. That's one part of it. Can it be just-in-time as opposed to being preachy and it being a big lecture, right? But you got to follow that up with um, not just a tip, uh, an actionable recommendation, but also if they want to find out more, help knowledge just unfold in stages. So this is where our Intuit Assist platform really helps. If you want to inquire, you, you, we gave you a tip. Hey, make sure that the, the, you, know, you pay your debts on time because you have a late payment and that's what's affecting your credit score. Well, I want to learn more. What can I do to make sure that I pay my debts on time? Right. So and then so knowledge has to unfold in stages. And that's where a conversational interface an always on interface, something that's at 3 a.m., something that you can just confide in because it's not going to judge you. All these things really matter. So it starts with small pieces of engagement. But over time, as you keep getting the tips and they get, keep getting reinforced, that creates a smaller, a small roadmap and eventually a holistic roadmap. And that's really how to suck people in into the world of financial education. Uh, and so that's that's the way we, I mean, attention spans are short. We all know that for these di digitally native folks. So how do you still educate them 
that's really the quest that we're on with, with our customers. We're hearing that from other executives as well. Like, you know, Gen Z for the most part, if you can generalize it in a, in a generation, which is hard to like long, long form text, lots of dense, you know, text to wade through doesn't really work. Like, like you were describing short snippets, advice at the moment contextually sounds like a great way to go. Um, how about Vishal, how do, how do you think about that? How do you think about building financial literacy with, with your user base? Yeah, very aligned in, in many ways of the values that we've been discussing. But, you know, some of the durable values that a firm is founded on, uh, I'll mention two, which actually resonates with this, uh, with this conversation. The first one is simpler is better. That's one of our core values. And the second one is no fine print. So let me, you know, unpack both of these. So simpler is better essentially means that no math required, right? We upfront, because we underwrite every single transaction, we can look at all the different scores and, uh, you know, I, I won't say Gen AI, but I will say machine learning. Uh, we have been doing this for tens of years um, in terms of all the different, you know, data signals, the machine learning algorithms, the training, and we can come up with a, with a better understanding of the customers than a static, let's say, you know, scoring uh, for credit cards. And based off of that, you know, because we have so many, so many data points, we can give you a much better, you know, answer in a very simple way. So this is where simple is better comes into play. And we can address transactions from anywhere from six weeks to 60 months, from anywhere from $50 to $25,000. Uh, and that's where the flexibility, you know, comes into play. And if we determine that, you know, the consumer will not be able to repay us, we just simply say no, because our interests are strongly aligned with the consumer's interests, right? So that's where the simple, you know, is better comes into play. And then the no fine print, right? This is really fundamental to what we have been discussing in the entire, you know, a conversation today. Consumers know exactly what they're going to pay, exactly when they're going to pay for it. And any interest that they have will be shown to them right up front. You don't have to go, you know, looking and finding and scrounging for, you know, all the different, you know, uh, emails or toss. Like we just tell you exactly up front. And once you have signed that agreement, it doesn't change. It doesn't change over the lifetime of that particular transaction. There is no hidden fees. There's no late fees. There's no, you know, compounding interest. That is what, you know, we believe, uh, you know, customers, especially Gen Z's are demanding from us. And we meet their needs by these two principles. Simpler is better, and then no fine print. I like those. Those feel like two tenets, core tenets to live your life by as well. So ah, we, yeah. we would agree with that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so Vishal Girish, really enjoyed talking about making financial products that Gen Z loves and uses here today. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. Zach, thank you for the opportunity. Pleasure, Zach.